it's, it's important to highlight the fact that there is clear intention to continue with economic reforms. It is the implementation that we have fallen short. So we will have to wait until we see boots on the ground, bricks and mortar being put behind all of these plans to get a sense that indeed we will have a boost in growth overall. Did Enoch Godungwana's third medium-term budget policy statement meet people's expectations? And which whip was cracked down? Hello, and welcome to OSA's podcast series. I'm Margot G, and today we will be discussing the medium-term budget policy statement that was given this week. In a global inflationary environment, and with lower spending power from our largest trading partner, China, growth prospects and our budget are constrained. Running up to the elections, this was a difficult MTBPS to deliver. We want to know how National Treasury aims to lower debt service costs and finance social expenditure grants. With us today is Isayam Klanger, our own fellow and Chief Economist and Head of Research at Rand Merchant Bank, and we will be unpacking the current fiscal position and this week's MTBPS. In addition to writing many columns in Business Day and Sunday Times, Isaiah has had significant experience at Alex Forbes, the IMF, and the National Treasury. Welcome, Isaiah. It is a pleasure to have you on our show today. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks, Isaiah. So we did a poll on our social media channels this week, and we asked people what they expected to hear about this week's MTBPS. Top of the list on both LinkedIn and Twitter was lowering debt service costs, and the second priorities were generating tax revenue and funding social expenditure on LinkedIn and Twitter, respectively. What are your thoughts on the MTBPS relative to people's expectations? I think those three points uh, we had also expected. We had expected that Treasury will uh, put some concerted efforts on trying to lower the debt service costs because they have been crowding out much of government spending in critical infrastructure. But also, we thought uh, Treasury was going to you know, focus on economic reform agenda that can uh, boost economic growth and generate tax revenue collections to be able to fund some of the social spending that government needs to do. So fiscal sustainability, uh, we thought Treasury is going to focus that a lot and try to highlight you know, the impact of uh, low growth, the impact of an external environment to our own economy, which we did get from, from National Treasury. So all, all in all, Treasury managed to put, to put together a budget that met people's expectations. If you look in terms of the numbers which is projected, you could, you know, you could look at the fiscal deficit coming up at 4.7% for this year. Market consensus was just about 5%, so which means uh, Treasury managed to meet that expectations. But however, it is about the detail in the numbers. Are they achievable? Are they realistic? I think that's where the market is now, you know, uh, debating on whether what Treasury put together in terms of the planned expenditure cuts is going to be to be achievable. And I think uh, we can discuss that in the, in, you know, in, in, in the course of the, of, of the podcast. Definitely. Yes, as they say, the devil is always in the details. So I look forward to, to discussing that in more detail. So South Africa's growth rate has been less than its inflation rate for the past 10 years. 
So in real terms, we have been getting poorer. This is largely because of the deteriorating infrastructure. The finance minister emphasized the importance of maintaining our rail, port and water infrastructure as it has been deteriorating and proposed mechanisms to fund these projects without bailouts. He also mentioned that the fastest growing item after our debt service costs is that for capital investments. How effective is the strategy at gaining domestic business confidence? Perhaps first, let's say, you know, just discuss a bit in terms of the change in the macro environment between the budget and the MTBPS, which Treasury also, uh, you know, agreed with and eventually revised its growth expectations. So growth for this year, it's now revised to 0.8. So it's not a significant revision from the 0.9 that Treasury forecasted in the budget in February. Next year's growth, that's where there is a, a, a significant downward revision from an earlier estimate of 1.5% to now 1%. And that brings the treasury forecast more in line with market expectations. If then you look at the over the medium term, the average growth rate that treasury has is 1.6%, which is also broadly in line with market expectations. So essentially, there is now a realistic expectations from a macroeconomic assumptions that underlie the budget. It's also similar on an inflation side. Treasury is now closer to market consensus. But then if you look in terms of what Treasury pencils in for government spending, I think there there are some differences relative to February that are quite huge. In February, National Treasury was expecting to cut real government spending by 2.2% this year. Now they expect real government spending to grow by 0.6%. So from a deep contraction to now positive growth and expansion. And then next year in 2024, the expectation is for a cut in real government spending of 3.2%, which means Treasury has postponed the reduction in government spending in real terms to 2024. Now, if you also consider the political cycle is elections next year, we think they are likely to be around May, and we are unlikely to see a reduction in government spending before elections. It's a plausible assumption, um, which then means the all the spending that government has to do should be done uh, in the second half of the year, which means it has to be actually double what Treasury has forecasted for if it's only happening in the second half of next year in order to achieve the full year average of 3.2% reduction in real spending. That seems a bit too, uh, you know, too much to do. Um, um, and therefore we have, you know, questioned on whether it's going to be achievable or not. And then the other aspect in terms of how they build up the growth forecast is if you look at uh, the growth in real fixed investment, it's now bumped up to six to just over six percent from about two percent previously. So a four percentage points increase in real fixed investment that Treasury expects. But if you then look read through the narrative of, of the fixed investment, uh, Treasury says business confidence remain low, which we agree. And in fact, business confidence is at crisis levels low. 
which does not bode well for private sector investment to, to actually be investing in, in uh, fixed investment in the country. But also, if you look from a government side, the need to consolidate itself mean, uh, you know, government investment is also going to be limited. And as we have seen historically, every time there is a consolidation effort, it has always been concentrated on cutting capital budgets, not necessarily cutting current spending. So if we use that as a president and say it's also likely to unfold in a similar manner this time around, it becomes difficult to see what is going to drive that over 6% growth in fixed investment if the private sector is not confident, but also government is constrained. So those are the two questions as far as, as the, the build-up of the macro assumptions are concerned. Uh, but overall, now in line with market expectations or with consensus, more realistic, we no longer have the commodity boom that we experienced in the uh, post-COVID recovery, which means the external environment is not as much supportive. Global growth is lower and expected to moderate into next year. China's economy that is critical for commodity prices and therefore the mining sector and tax revenue collections locally is also experiencing significant constraint. And we have been expecting some form of fiscal stimulus for quite some time. We got monetary policy stimulus on the, on the margins. Fiscal stimulus is only uh, you know, starting, it started about two weeks ago, uh, two, uh, over the last two weeks ago, um, you know, with about two trillion remuneration of fiscal stimulus. But that's still to work its way through the markets and into commodity prices. We haven't seen much of a, of a change so far. But overall, China's economy is not going to come to the bailout of the South African economy. Uh, neither is our, you know, other trading partners. The U.S. We still expect a mild recession next year in the second half, which means the theme of lower global growth will still have negative consequences for us. From a monetary policy perspective, higher interest rates for longer globally will still uh, work as a constraint to our economic growth. So those focus from trade are much more realistic in touch with the global developments, but also with domestic constraints. Okay, so this is good news that we have more realistic expectations, but like you said, it would be very interesting to see where the actual cuts are coming from to fund the, the expenditures that, that are going forward. Delivering on our listeners' expectations, the minister also addressed the large debt service costs and mentioned how this crowds out other expenditure. We spend more on servicing our debt than we do on education or healthcare or security. Given the austerity of the MTBPS, how much is government spending decreasing and which sectors will be affected the most? Look, if, we, if we look in terms of the debt service costs, um, 21 cents in every range goes to servicing our debt service costs. And that's on the high side relative to other emerging markets. And that, as you alluded to, uh, crowds out spending on, on fixed investment. And indeed, debt service cost is the second highest expenditure line item, um, the fastest growing expenditure line item. 
which if we do not achieve consolidation, it would mean that our debt-to-GDP ratio will continue to rise. We have significant redemptions of our debt that is going to take place over the next couple of months and years, which would need to be refinanced. And at current cost of debt, it's going to be quite onerous for the state. Hopefully, or we live in hope that financial conditions will moderate before the state would need to refinance a significant amount of that debt. But I think in terms of the impact of the consolidation part, what we have learned in history is consolidation tends to take place in CAPEX budgets. And Treasury did offer or did uh, you know, send through to national departments and provinces uh, instructions to freeze you know, some capital spending that have not yet been put out to tender because they need to consolidate. If you look in terms of uh, wages and salaries, they continue to grow. This year, we overspend roughly about $23 billion. That's 7.5% increase in salaries and wages. And then it's also difficult to see how they will be able to keep it contained. But so far, seems to be um, a decent expectations and, 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 and the need to, to contain wage growth is there. Beyond that, if you look in terms of the um, extension of some of the social social programs, which we will talk about uh, now, we we haven't you know we haven't identified permanent revenue sources to to be able to take care of that. So the impact will fall on capital budgets, particularly at local levels, which means service delivery might actually suffer because we need more nurses, we need more police to, to be able to, to deliver the services that we, we require. We do have an issue with our safety and security, so cutting budgets uh, actually impacts on the level of service delivery that, we, that, we, that the, the South African citizens have. Where we would, we would need to tighten the belt is on the salaries and wages, but that's difficult to do given the strength of unions. Very, very interesting. It's a difficult position. And if you look at the fact that we have elections coming up next year, if you could tell us more about how we can fund this. Uh, we, we saw that the Social Relief of Distress Grant has been extended for another year. And we look at how we've had these issues with service delivery. So how will the social expenditure be financed and what can we expect going forward, given that this is a year running up to elections? I think the political cycle, it's, it's also a constraint in a way. One get a sense that Treasury did not get enough support from Cabinet quickly enough to make bold decisions. One also gets the sense that they also didn't get enough support from the presidency quickly enough. In a way, it might explain why the MTBPS was postponed to the 1st of November rather than being uh, the usual uh, timing uh, in, in, in late October. The extension of the Social Relief of Distressed Grant by another year without permanent funding is also potentially you know, evidence that the long-term decisions or the permanent decisions are being postponed because they're quite difficult to do. But also in the current environment, the political cycle might have necessitated that. 
But ultimately, there have to be permanent revenue sources that will need to be raised. And National Treasury did allude to raising 15 billion in new taxes next year. If you look at the resistance to VAT, a value-added tax, normally it would suggest that perhaps they are not going to adjust for fiscal drag as a way to to raise a part of that 15 billion rand. But if the social relief of distress grant is to be extended indefinitely, which we assume it will be, then there will be needs for a permanent revenue source, which we assume is going to be value-added tax. Treyar's own work says one percentage points increase in VAT generates about 25 billion rand, and two percentage points generate about 50 billion rand. And, um, you know, raising VAT by 25% will not be able to cover for the full uh, SRD grant, which means you would need actually two percentage points. That decision, uh, uh, we hope we are going to get next year. But because the budget is before elections, it's going to be tricky for, for, for national trader. But at least the fact that the SRD has been extended for another year gives us a sense uh, you know, that they won't have to say anything about it in the budget because it's already been extended. Uh, they might have to come up with a permanent revenue source in the uh, 2024 MTBPS and 2025 budget itself. So it's kicking the can down the road in our assessment. Because the cuts in spending that was expected now have been postponed to next year. The SRD has been postponed. Also, no permanent revenue source still yet to be determined. And then you look at some of the reforms that at least gives us hope uh, that Treasury announced, but still yet to be announced in February is the consolidation of the public sector and streamlining of the public sector and the closure of unproductive uh, you know, SOEs and government programs. And then uh, a package of reforms that should help to crowd in or to attract foreign investors into large infrastructure projects. Um, that also yet to be announced, which Treasury uh, promised to announce in February. And lastly, a, a package of, of uh, you know, incentives to help local automotive sector invest or produce electric vehicles for European markets and US markets that are far ahead of us. I think that's going to be quite positive. So all of these are positives that gives us hope. But as we have learned before, it's not that government is in short supply of paper-perfect plans. It is the implementation that we have fallen short. So we will have to wait until we see boots on the ground, bricks and mortar being uh, you know, put behind all of these plans to get a sense that indeed we will have a boost in growth overall. Yes, actions do speak louder than words. And if we take our attention now internationally, the minister also mentioned the importance of allocating some of the budget towards reducing corruption, especially after we were grey listed last year. Overall, how do you say the MTBPS fared regarding international business expectations and confidence? If you look at the reaction of markets so far, they seem to be, uh, if you look at currency markets, they gained a, a little bit which would seem to be a positive reaction. 
But if you look at bond yields, uh, we haven't seen much of a reaction there. Um, I think that relates to whether the medium-term debt trajectory is credible or not. And our assessment is we are not going to see uh, debt to GDP ratio stabilize at 78% of GDP as Treasury says. So we expect bond yields, particularly on the back end, to remain quite elevated. So the yield curve should remain quite, quite steep. Um, as far as the announcement that could boost foreign investors, particularly corporates, into investing in the country, the announcement themselves are good, but it's the enabling legislation that should actually be implemented for them to be confident. A lot of our you know, international clients do say that they buy South Africa not because uh, there is a positive story on a growth fundamental perspective, but because the price is right. We need the story to change uh, um, uh, so that it's not uh, determined solely by price, which means we should pay relatively a decent price, not overpaying for uh, attracting fixed investment into the country. So it's a wait and see uh, until the budget next year before we can have a solid view on the potential for foreign investors to be crowded in into the country. Yes, gosh. Well, we look forward to chatting again with you at the time of the budget next year. Is there anything else you would like to add, Isaiah? Look, yes, indeed. Um, I think in the midst of all the questions we have, uh, you know, with the MTBPS, it's, it's important to highlight the fact that there is clear intention to continue with economic reforms, but there is also a clear decision as far as the bailout of SOEs going forward, which Treasury said they will not bail out SOEs anymore. Uh, and then there is also uh, some commitments on fiscal consolidation from a treasury perspective. Um, and the economic reform agenda continues with the support, obviously, uh, of treasury and, and business. That is something positive to take out of the MTBPS. And the general response of the business community to treasury's work on consolidation has been positive. So we just need to continue to to support Treasury and government uh, in terms of uh, you know, efforts to bring our discuss into a sustainable path that would ultimately benefit all South Africans. It is a difficult environment given the global context, but a lot of the decisions have to be done internally and we hope that they will be followed through. Yes, it is very difficult times and I think if we can exercise strong discipline, it will allow us to weather the storm of the, the global environment. Thank you so much, Isaiah. As always, it is a great pleasure to have you on our show and thank you so much for sharing your time during this busy week. Thank um, you so much, Margot, for having me and uh, looking forward to, to the next discussion. Yeah, we look forward to it. I'm Margot G and this is the ESA podcast series. A big thank you to our listeners and should you wish to contact us, please email me at margaretconrsa.org or reach out on our socials if you haven't yet. We look forward to staying in touch. Until next time.